everybody. Welcome into this end zone edition of the WTFC Sports Podcast, October 15th. Jake Wallace, Lindsey Goff joining you as we get ready for another Friday night of high school football. Region play is underway. We've got a full slate of games. In fact, four games tonight. All the Chatham County schools playing on a, a Thursday night football. Uh, we'll get to those in a minute. But, Lindsey, some, some really big games to watch. We had some really fantastic results uh, last Friday night, some last second games. We'll hear more on the, the city championship, Brunswick and Glen Academy, a thriller down uh, between the bricks. But want to talk to you, Lindsay, about our game of the week, which is, is going to be really, really fun. I'm really looking forward to down in Baxley at Jimmy Swain Stadium. Undefeated Applin County, number six in the class AAA rankings, hosting the third-ranked team in class 4A, the Benedictine Cadets. We've seen Benedict in a bunch, and this is a great test for Appling County to kind of prove that they really are amongst the state elite in Class AAA. Yeah, I mean, we've said so many times that BC is such a good team with a really explosive and fun offense. Uh, seeing them lose last week, a bit of a shocker, um, especially the final score, 43-21, to at Ware County, not that Ware County is not a good team because they are very good. Um, <laughs> now, now the number one team in the in the class five yeah. rankings. Yeah, it's very it's just team. surprising when you see a team like BC, and we've seen them several times this year, and they look so good. To see them lose by almost twenty points is an eye opener for sure. Uh, Appling County, a really good, a really good matchup. You mentioned, I think that they're four and zero. It should be a really fun game. I think BC is going to want to come out and avenge that loss a little bit. I'm sure they're ready to get back in the win column, even though it is just one loss. Um, Appling County wanting to remain undefeated. Yeah, I spoke with Rick Tomberlin yesterday down in Baxley, and, um, you know, we we had a good conversation, and, and he talked about, you know, the one thing he said that stuck out to me, he said, this Benedictine team may be the best team to ever come play at Jimmy Swain Stadium. That's what Appling County is facing. Now, that might be a little bit of coach coach speak trying to rah-rah as guys, um, but this Appling County team, when you look at what they've done this year, it's been very impressive. They're 4-0 with all four of their wins coming over teams from higher classifications, including last week a, a comeback victory over Wayne County in Jessup 23-20, scored in the final minute to get the victory. They are number six in the class AAA poll, but this feels like a team that doesn't get talked about a lot. And and I spoke with, with Coach Tomlin about that, and he said, yeah, you know, we're we're in a really rural area. We're kind of in the middle of nowhere. There's, you know, in class AAA is a loaded class, he said. So that's okay with us. We're okay not being talked about. But I asked him, you know, is this a game that, you guys think could really open some eyes, even if the Pirates don't win. If this is a contest going into the fourth quarter, late into the fourth quarter, that Appling County defense has been really good this year. They've given up, uh, they gave up 20 points last week to Wayne County, but the previous three games had only allowed seven points a game. If they can slow down this explosive BC offense, make this a game late into the fourth quarter, even if they aren't able to win, I think it will show a lot of people just how good this Appling County team is. You know, they were right on the doorstep of a, of a region title last year, lost to a, a really good Pierce County team 
in Blackshear in, in what was essentially a region title game. They've been knocking on the door here for about a year now under Tomberlin. This is a chance that they can really break it open and and kind of, you know, have a have a debut to the rest of the state. Yeah. You mentioned that they kind of fly under the radar. BC does not. So um, the um the the press attention is coming with this game for certain. Yeah, we'll be well, I'll be live in Baxley Friday night, weather permitting. And and you mentioned that, and, and that's one thing I think Danny Britt and, and those guys tell me all the time. We expect everybody's best shot every time we walk on the field because we are Benedictine, because of the success that we've had over the number of years, because of there's a lot let, let's face it, there's a lot of kids on this Benedictine team that have some stars by their name that you know get the recruiting publicity, that get all that kind of stuff. And they, this team is mature enough to understand when we go anywhere, whoever we play, they want to knock us off. They want to prove that they can beat big, big, bad Benedictine. So the cadets expect that, and I think they're going to expect that Friday night against an Appling team that you know wants to give them their best shot. Absolutely, yeah. I think it'll be a fun one. The next game that I – it's it's weird to say this, Lindsay. It's it's going to be October sixteenth, but we have a region title game happening Friday night. Liberty County going to Southeast Bullock uh, at Fred Shaver Field. The Region Three AAA title going to be decided between the Panthers and the Yellow Jackets. Of course, with the Chatham County schools only playing intra district this year, it left a big hole in this region, and so. The only two teams left outside of Chatham County get a duel Friday night for the region championship. Liberty County 2-1 and one on the year. They've beaten Bradwell twice, lost to Statesboro last week, and then SCB enters the season at 3-2. and two. What, Whatever happens later in the season, the biggest game of, of both of these teams' seasons happens this Friday night. Yeah, it's pretty weird because Liberty County's only played three games so far so it feels weird to even hear that um but yeah here we are <laughs> 2020 and a covid season this is what you get i guess but it, it it does make it it does make it exciting it does make it you know the fact that here we are mid-october we're going to crown our first region champ of the area well i guess benedictine is also a region champion as well but a first actual region championship game and you mentioned Liberty County is just kind of now starting to find their stride. They're three games in. SEBs had their schedule all jumbled around because of what happened in Chatham County, but also a number of other things. I want to see how both teams handle kind of this unique situation. It's their first region game. They're going to win a region title, win or lose. I, I, I want to see what happens there. I think the key to the game, and he, he's been Southeast Bullock's best player all season, Tyler Griffin, a guy with just buku FBS offers. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how he does against this Liberty County defense. Um, it should be a fun one in Brooklyn Friday night. Dow Kennedy will be there, and we'll have the highlights for you coming up on the end zone Friday night. We mentioned that full slate of games in Chatham County tonight. Four games, Beach at New Hampstead and Pooler, Islands at Groves and Garden City, Windsor Forest, Jenkins at Memorial, and Savannah Johnson going to meet over at Whitmarsh Island. We can't go into this without mention, mentioning uh, the story from that, that came out yesterday 
Beachhead coach Corey Phillips, not going to be with the Bulldogs, suffered a stroke pregame last week as the Bulldogs were taken on Jenkins. The good news is we, we've sp- I've spoke with uh, some family members yesterday, spoke with some friends of Coach Phillips, said he's he's doing uh, – they're, they're encouraged, he, his family and his doctors are. Uh, spoke with his mother yesterday. She said Phillips is, is pretty upset he can't coach his team tonight against New Hampstead, which sounds exactly like a coach. Um, but, Lindsay, in these situations, we're, we're, we're reminded that football is, is secondary to just about everything. I'm interested to see how the beach kids play. I think last week they were probably a little shell-shocked to have something like that happen in pregame. Now they've kind of had the ability to digest it. Now they've kind of had the ability to get the, the coaching hierarchy you know, set. It's going to be uh, Moses Green tonight, who will be the interim coach for the Bulldogs. I think they're going to come out fired up. I think they're going to come out ready to play and playing for their coach. I think so, too. We had a sort of similar situation when Statesboro's head coach was hospitalized with COVID, and the players said, you know, we don't want him to worry about us, so we're going to go out, we're going to play for him and give it our best go so that he can focus on getting better because you mentioned it sounds like a coach being upset that they can't be out there. Um, You know, focus on getting better. We'll take care of it here, coach, kind of mentality. And I'm sure the Bulldogs feel the same way. Um, Definitely sending our thoughts and prayers to coach that he has a speedy recovery. Absolutely. So Beach and New Hampstead tonight in Pooler. We've we've also got undefeated Islands taking on Groves and Garden City. Uh, Windsor Forest to Jenkins is, is going to be a good one. That'll be um, Jeb Stewart, the new head coach at Windsor Forest, taking on the program that he helped run their offense for the last few years at Jenkins. That's going to be one to watch at Memorial Stadium. And then, of course, Savannah and, and Johnson meeting on the island tonight. Uh, another game that we'll have for you Friday night on the end zone that I'm looking forward to, Bacon County at Jeff Davis, two of our furthest uh, schools, but two schools that are really playing some good football these days. It'll be the first home game in quite some time for Jeff Davis. The the Yellow Jackets have had their schedule kind of jumbled all around due to COVID and cancellations and postponements. So they'll finally be at home for the first time this season on Friday night, hosting Bacon County, the Jackets 4-0. Bacon County going to enter 4-1. The, the Red Raiders have won four straight games. So again, Lindsay, we, we, like we mentioned with Appling County, these are two programs that maybe don't get a whole lot of the pub. They're kind of no man's land for, for a lot of people in the state, but playing really good football and a chance to get into region play and, and, and have a good start of this start of your, your region schedule. I'm looking forward to this one in the Pinelands. Always enjoy going over there and seeing the Yellow Jackets play and, and Bacon County off to a good start. They're going to try to try to spoil homecoming in Hazelhurst. <laughs> spoil homecoming. That's always the goal. I feel like I briefly saw Jeff Davis uh, two weeks ago, I guess, when they were at Long County. Uh, they looked good, so it should be a good matchup. I haven't seen Bacon County in person, but, uh, you know, you mentioned spoiling homecoming. So, Yeah, it should be a, a, a fun one Friday night. Looking forward to seeing that one. One game that, that we had last week on the end zone and, and had to talk about because of just what happened in it was the city championship down in Brunswick. Brunswick 
rallies past Glen Academy for their first win in the city championship in seven years, 27-24, a long tipped touchdown pass with less than a minute left. The deciding factor is the Pirates claim the city championship for the first time in seven years. And I was lucky enough to, to speak with Brunswick head coach Sean Pender about that win, what it means for his Pirates moving forward as they get back into region play again Friday night at South Effingham. But also wanted to talk to Pender about his former quarterback. You might have heard of him, uh, some guy named Stetson Bennett the fourth, who's going to lead Georgia into Alabama Saturday night. Got a, got a chance to speak with, with Pender about his Pirates and about the man who is taking Georgia football by storm. Here's Sean Pender. Coach, obviously a, a, a big win for, for your program last Friday night, dramatic fashion. You win the city championship. It had been a while for the Pirates to be on the victorious end of that. What does a win in that series in that town do for your program? Oh, it does quite a bit, uh, man. It's it's just it's just a fantastic feeling. This this city has been needing this 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 championship, and that's the thing about this game. It's not just a game; it's not just a region game. Uh, and that's something I had to grow to understand when when I first got the job here, because this one game means a lot to this community. And for for a while, being on the losing end of that, I think it was it was a six year streak that Brunswick was on the losing end of the, that streak, and for us to be able to to get a turn around and get that win uh in the words of of kip branch who's like the voice of the pirates he said the long cold dark winter is over <laughs> and we're going to get that win so it's, it's definitely a form of relief but you know this this um this team is is very deserving of this victory and it was a uh, great fashion in which we, we were able to pull this victory off yeah a long touchdown pass off a tip ball late in the game I know that, that a lot of you guys don't believe so much in kind of how wins happen, that wins happen, but to do it in that game, in that way, it, it has to make your kids kind of believe, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and some of the things that happen during the, 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 the time of the game, is like you always play the play all the way through the whistle. You always play uh, every snap of the, the game. If there's time on the clock, you have a chance to win it. And when they, you know, we dominated the the game just by the entire game and right there in their minute they make a double reverse flea flicker pass for a touchdown when we have the receiver draped and they just made it like it was like a destined for them to to win the the ball game at the end i don't know if you saw that play Mm -hmm. but it was an awesome play that you know the the ga made right before we made the play that we made and at the time we had 41 seconds left to go in the game we had two timeouts. We work our two-minute drill every single day. And another drill that we always work is a tip drill. Another drill that we always work is catching unorthodox passes. And uh, we do another drill about splitting defenders. And all this stuff just comes into play. And, uh, you know, at the end of the game, we had 41 seconds left. We had two timeouts. And, uh, fortunately, we didn't need to use them all uh, because uh, we ran a play called 94. It's a play that's in our two-minute package. Um, the one safety bit up on the out route. We had a post going over the top. The quarterback stepped up into the pocket. He made made the throw. It was a little underthrown, which allowed – 
their uh, defender to deflect the ball a little bit, but our receiver stuck with it. He was able to, to catch the post, and then he was able to split the other defenders and take it to the house for a touchdown. And, you know, on that, I don't know how fast Tyrese is, but on that night, on that play, I don't think there was anybody that was going to catch him. <laughs> he, was, he was fast enough in that moment. And it, he was. <laughs> you mentioned it, this is a big. This is bigger than a region game. It means a lot more, but it is a region game. You guys now one and zero to start the region season. As you look at this team, as you look at your region, where do you see kind of the next few weeks going? How, how this team has to have some some good vibes going right now. It does. I mean, but you know, after a big emotional win like that, um, sometimes a lot of teams have that letdown, and you got to be ready for for that letdown. And we we had one on Monday. Our Monday's practice was was awful. Uh, we didn't we did not get after it the way we needed to get after it. But as the week went on, we were able to, to get right. And we we're just talking to our, our players. But look, we got to take this one game at a time. Um, you know, the city championship was our first goal. Our next goal is region championship, and then it goes on state championship. So now we accomplished the, the, the city championship that's behind us. We have to refocus our efforts on uh, taking one game at a time because every game we have left is a is a region game. And right now, South Evingham is the only team that we're playing on Friday night. We're not playing anybody else. So we're looking forward to this one game on Friday night. And we're, we're shooting for to be 1-0 this week. And that's the way we got to approach it is trying to be 1-0 every week from here on out. Coach Sean Pender, now the head coach of the Brunswick Brunswick Pirates, but formerly the head coach of the Pierce County Bears, where he led a certain individual named Stetson Bennett the Fourth. You might have heard of him. He's leading his Georgia Bulldogs into Tuscaloosa Saturday. Coach, we've spoken about Stetson before, and I spoke with Stetson's father yesterday, and he told me that the thing that's really cool about this is everyone getting to see kind of what people who have coached Stetson, who have known Stetson for a long time, have known about him that he can do this and he's this has been his dream for a while what what how much fun are you having with this georgia season oh i'm enjoying it tremendously especially watching not one but two players right now starting for the university of georgia's Mm -hmm. offense i I have war mcclendon Mm -hmm. uh sitting there at right tackle and and getting to watch getting to watch him and then of course watching stetson living his lifetime dream and getting the opportunity that he so deserves and you know thank goodness that yeah, the, the coaching staff at University of Georgia um, was able to give him this opportunity. I didn't say give it to him. He earned this opportunity, but they saw the fact that he earned this opportunity. And regardless of how many different five-star quarterbacks they have on their on the roster, was able to, to give Stetson the opportunity he so well deserves. And yeah, and, and you're saying that we we've known this about Stetson. I mean, we we watched this kid grow up, and if and unfortunately he just doesn't have the measurables that a lot of schools and a lot of recruiters look for at the FBS level. Um, if he had those measurables, we wouldn't talk. You'd be talking about a surprise story with Stetson. You're, you'd be talking about someone who you're looking to be a top draft pick in the NFL. He's that type of caliber player. He's that type of caliber caliber quarterback. He's just He's just shorter. That's it. Do you remember having conversations with him about I'm I want to be the starting quarterback at, at the University of Georgia? Oh, uh, as 
absolutely. It's always been a dream of his. He's, he's been a uh, Bulldog fan his entire life. And um, he had a bunch of other offers at other schools where he could have went and had a tremendous career and, you know, probably got a chance to start a lot sooner. Uh, but he wanted to be a Georgia Bulldog. And the thing about Stetson that a lot of people don't get or don't, don't see is when Stetson was in high school and he was going through, he was going through all these different circuits, these quarterback uh, camps, and these quarterback uh, showcases and all this stuff, to, or just, you know, showcases in general. And he's outperforming these quarterbacks that are there. It's just he's not getting the top quarterback award for one reason, because his name wasn't a Jake Crom or, or a Justin Fields or, or somebody like that. But he was right there, the, you know, going against some of the nation's top recruited quarterbacks and doing extremely well. It's just when he stood next to him, he looked like a little peewee kid. And, uh, of course, and this is where the mailman hat ends up coming into play. But, yeah, it looked that way. So when he decided to walk on the University of Georgia, he walked on with intentions of being able to be the starter one day. And when it looked like he wasn't going to get that opportunity, that's when Stetson transferred to Jones Junior College mm-hmm. so he can get out there with the other Division One players that play at the JUCO level and show what he can do also and try to get recruited by other FBS schools. Georgia knew the value of Stetson, and when they said, no, we want to get this kid back here, they went after Stetson and got him back, and um, he, he came and you know, his only criteria was he wanted an opportunity to be able to compete for the starting job. And Georgia gave him that opportunity, and it was looking like he was going to be the odd man out at one time with all these transfers coming in. But he weathered the storm. He stuck with it. He kept working. He kept grinding. He knew he or he felt that, you know, or had to believe that if I keep working hard, I'll be prepared, and when my opportunity comes, I'll make the most of it. And sure enough, it happened in Arkansas. Sean Pender, head coach of the Brunswick Pirates, going to South Effingham this Friday night in region game. Coach, appreciate the time. Good luck. We'll see you later this season, I'm sure. All right. Thank you. Take care. So, Lindsay, I spoke with with Pender there. I spoke with Stetson Bennett third earlier this week um, for a story we'll have on our, our tailgate with WTOC special Saturday night before the Georgia-Alabama game. And the thing that, that I took from it from, from both Pender and from Stetson third is that they're not surprised by this. You know, I think a lot of people in the country are looking and they see this kid come off the bench who's not the biggest kid in the world and he wasn't talked about at all during this offseason quarterback battle. And here he, here he is. He's got Georgia undefeated and number three in the country and, and playing very, very well. Not surprising to these, these people that have watched him do it for a number of years. That Pierce County team when he was there was a problem. And Stetson was a major part of the problem for other teams. He may not be the biggest kid in the world, but the dude can ball and we'll see him try to do it again Saturday night in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, he's been a steady presence for the dogs. He's put up good numbers. You know, uh, he's not Trevor Lawrence, but uh, he's um, exactly what the dog, he's doing what the dogs need him to do right now and uh, keeping the offense on track. And that's really all you can ask. The thing that, that strikes me the most, and, and I mentioned this with Dean Leggy from Dog Post a couple weeks ago when we had him on before the Auburn game. The, the team has the utmost trust, the utmost respect 
for Stetson Bennett, the fourth. This is a kid that has faced the the best de- one of the best defenses in the country for three years as the scout team quarterback. He famously played the role of Baker Mayfield when Georgia played Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. This kid's earned the respect of his teams, and you see it every night. You saw when he outstretched his hand to hit the pylon on that two-point conversion against Arkansas. He's just mobbed on the sideline by, by the players. You see it in the post-game interviews when everybody's running up, calling him the mailman, the mailman delivers. This is a kid who's got the who, who has the backing of his team, offense, defense, wide receivers, everybody. They love Stetson Bennett. And when you have that kind of dynamic on a team for a kid that is shown he is all heart, all Georgia, all the time, that can be a dangerous combination, especially when that kid has the talent that Stetson Bennett the fourth has. Yeah, you know, he's just had his head down and gone to work for all these years behind Jake Fromm, and he got a shot and he took advantage and led the dogs to that win in Arkansas and earned that starting spot from Kirby Smart and hasn't looked back. And you can tell that everybody around the program is genuinely happy for him. And he's put the work in, so he's not surprised with his success because he knows – what went into it, you know, to the country, it looks like an overnight success, but you know, for him, this has been years in the making. Yeah. That was one of the things that, that Stetson Bennett, the third Stetson's father obviously told me, he said, people say he, he came out of nowhere. He's been wanting to be the Georgia quarterback, the starting quarterback at Georgia since he was three years old. This isn't out of nowhere. This is 19 years in the making and, and Bennett living his dream right now. Will the dream continue it's the biggest test to date as Georgia goes to Alabama and Lindsay we've we've seen this matchup before but this the one that's so interesting to me here is this time it's Georgia that enters the game with the 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 defense that everyone thinks can stop the world and it's Alabama with this powerful offense with wide receivers that can just you know, Usain, Usain Bolt-type speed on the outside. We're going to see elite against elite Saturday when the Bama offense goes up against the Georgia defense, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely, and uh, Alabama going to be without notorious head coach Nick Saban. Uh, now, who yes. Was, who, yeah, who has a COVID-19 diagnosis. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, if, that impacts the team at all and kind of the circumstances around that, obviously that shakes things up a little bit. Yeah. You know, Kirby is still going to try to be the first former (laughs) Saban assistant to beat a Nick Saban coach team at Alabama. Um, The thing that I, that I'm. Does it count if Saban isn't there? Do we count that? I think Georgia fans will count it most certainly. <laughs> You'll have to circle back to, to Alabama fans to see how they feel. The thing I'm really looking forward to in this game is is watching two teams that are championship caliber uh, try to show and, and kind of create some superiority in the SEC. Um, the team that wins this game will have the leg up towards the SEC championship race in either the East or the West division. It's possible we see this game again in Atlanta in mid-December as well. Um, But 
not only the SEC championship, but a leg up really into the college football playoff. There are not going to be very many games left on either team's schedule where they won't be favored. Um, and so a win in Tuscaloosa by either Bama or Georgia really sets you up very nicely uh, for uh, a college football playoff run and towards the SEC title. You're going to see it 8 o'clock Saturday night right here on WTOC. Of course, an hour beforehand, 7 o'clock, Lindsey, I, and Tim Guidera will have a tailgating with WTOC Live special. I'll have that story on Stetson Bennett, the, the creation of the legend, I guess you could say, of Stetson Bennett the fourth, and we'll have a lot of other stuff about this Georgia and Alabama game that has been circled on the calendar a couple different times with the rearranging of the schedules, but has been on the minds of Georgia and Alabama fans ever since it was scheduled earlier this year. Kicks off at 8. We'll have pregame coverage at 7 o'clock live with our tailgating with WTOC special. The two and three teams in Tuscaloosa, number one Clemson coming to Georgia Tech to play in Atlanta. It'll be the first time Tech's hosted a number one ranked team since 1980. Yellow Jackets tied Notre Dame that day, three to three in 1980. Um, Look, Clemson's a big favorite. They're going to be a big favorite. Uh, Tech's going to play with house money here. We'll see what happens. We mentioned last week that Trevor Lawrence to Travis Etienne is just really unfair for a lot of a lot of college football defenses. But you know, the the college football fan in me, the 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 reporter that follows kind of Tech football also is interested to see how Jeff Sims and Jameer Gibbs and this the future of this Georgia Tech offense look against the, the, the powerhouse of the ACC and the Clemson Tigers. I think that's really going to tell you maybe just how close Georgia Tech is to kind of breaking through that ceiling that Yellow Jacket fans certainly hope is coming under Jeff Collins. Absolutely, and you mentioned that 3-3 score against Notre Dame. I anticipate there will be a couple of touchdowns in it t- t- Yeah. <laughs> You're going to go over six. You're going to go over six. Well, <laughs> it's going to be a fun Friday night. We've got all the highlights and scores coming up for you tomorrow night on the end zone. I'll be live in Baxley uh, for our game of the week, Benedictine, Benedictine at Appling County. We'll have the, the highlights from that one. Scores and highlights from all around the area. We're going up to Hilton Head all the way over to Baxley. We are going to be all over the 912 and 843. And I'm really looking forward to this Friday night. There's going to be a lot of things decided as as region play continues on. We've got a region title on the line in Brooklyn. There's going to be a lot of consequences that come out of Friday night, and I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. We'll see you Friday night on the end zone. For Lindsay, I'm Jake. Thanks for listening, everyone.